0: You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at Nielsville.org. I think Adam and Melissa really said it all, and there's no need for me to say anything that I have some words uh, that I wrote down, so I'll say them anyway. I mentioned, my name is Brian Farrell, I'm an elder here at church, and I'm just subbing for Pastor Jeff, a one-time deal. First, I got to say, congratulations to those Washington Nationals, huh? How about that, huh? Don't you just love them? You like that Juan Soto? I love Juan Soto. He got that foot out there, you know, and he's got, he's so brash, he's so young, he's so innocent. I just, I love the Nationals, and I love my wife. And I love mint chip ice cream. I love the Lord. Love's kind of a funny word, isn't it, in our culture? We, we use it to describe experiences or, or people or places or food or all sorts of things. We love it to, to describe our Lord. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and build off of... Jeff has been preaching on uh, Hosea and, and God's relentless love, and I'm going to try and, and build off of that topic... Um, I didn't know exactly where he'd be, so I picked a different scripture, but I'm going to talk about love, the relentless love of God, and I'm going to see how it might affect your head and your heart and your hands, and that's what we're going to talk about, head, heart, and hands. So let's begin with our scripture reading. You've heard it before. You'll hear it again. The apostle Paul wrote this to believers who lived in Rome, the Romans, and he wrote this about 25 years after the death of Jesus. I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, It may or may not be the same on the screen, but it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Romans. We thank you that we have it. We have it in scripture. We have it right here in a book in our own language. We pray, Lord, that you will use that word to enlighten us, to inform us that, it will, that we may hear and we may obey your word and that we may be changed to be more like you as we do that. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we say amen. So you may have heard in the Bible there are different kinds of love, right? There's different kinds of love that are described in the Bible. There's Philos, like Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, except when it comes to Nationals fans, maybe. But we learn about Eros or romantic love, like I met Sue and we fell in love. Um, There's family love, right? Love among families. And then there's this agape love, right? God's love for us, this, this amazing love. We, this summer, right? Did we have the agape league here, right, in person? Yes, we had the agape league here. And that talks about God's agape love. And that is unfailing, unselfish, self-sacrificing love. Lay down your life for your brother kind of love. It's unconditional. It's acted upon. It has no expectation of anything in return. So let's see what we can learn about this agape love from the scriptures and see how it might apply to our lives. So from the reading, we see, first, that nothing can separate us. The passage starts with this, what shall separate us, and then it ends with us, will any of these separate us? No, right? So that's, that's the first thing that we need to know. Nothing can separate us. Melissa hit that very well in the children's sermon. We don't control these other things. We don't constro- control Trouble, distress, persecution, famine, war. In biblical times or in modern times, these are terrible calamities, right? War sweeps over innocent civilians. A famine strikes and and affects people in horrible ways. We don't have any control over those kinds of things. We might experience persecution for our faith. Certainly many people in the world do. In in the passage, Paul talks about sheep being led to slaughter in in the first part of the passage. He takes that from Psalm 44, verse 22, and that Psalm talks about the things God has done and pleads for God's deliverance. So so we recognize that we'll have suffering, but it is suffering for our beliefs, right? It says, for his sake, we are persecuted. Uh, The message paraphrase uh, puts it a different way. They kill us in cold blood because they hated you, right? Jesus talked about this. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? I mean, it's not going to be all roses and and chocolates. So the people that heard this message would say, okay, I understand there will be troubles. They've seen it in the history of Israel. The the Jews are persecuted for their faith. The Christians now are living in Rome. They're going to face vicious persecution in coming days in Rome. And, And it's really a warning for all of us that there will be a cost to your faith, right? There are thousands and tens of thousands of people today, every year, who die for their Christian faith. So, so that's what that passage, that le, lambs being led to slaughter part of the Scripture is about. You're going to face trouble, but, and it's very important, but it will not overcome God's love. What will overcome it? Nothing, not principalities, not the government, not powers, not the king, not the invincible Roman army, not the soldiers. No, God's love is stronger than that, stronger than a famine, stronger than war. So let's look at verses 38 and 39 in the, uh, in the text, and we can see what we can conclude about the love of God. It's, we could, yeah, put that up on the screen. So it says, neither death nor life will separate us. So God's love must be steadfast and permanent. The concerns of this life, the the, the busyness and concerns of this life, or our eventual death will not separate us, right? Things present nor things to come will not separate us, so it must be timeless, it must be eternal. Powers won't separate us, so therefore it must be very secure and powerful. Neither height nor depth can separate us, so it must be anywhere and everywhere. God's love is steadfast, God's love is permanent, it's superhuman, it's eternal, secure, powerful, and omnipresent. We read nothing, not anything else in creation, not any created thing can separate us from His love. Well, that's a pretty good start on what we know about God's love for us, right? Let's see what else we can learn from Scripture. Pastor Jeff's been preaching from Hosea. And I admire Jeff from preaching from Hosea. It's a tough book, and, but there are timeless lessons for us today. I really greatly admire Jeff for taking that on. Um, he asked me months ago to, if I would be willing to say a few words on this date in November. And I said, yes, I want to talk about God's love. Little did I know, God, Jeff is talking about God's relentless love as shown in the book of Hosea. So, so we have a passage from Hosea. J- Jeff has talked about this. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you you in righteousness, in justice, in love and compassion. right? So we see it in the Old Testament and in Hosea. Oh, what did we sing? What was our opening song? "Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love oh, if I had a Bible I, oh wait, here's a Bible. Let's look at Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. His steadfast love endures forever. Here's verse 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. There are 26 verses. They all say his, his love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. I'm trying to make a point here, all right? I'm trying to make sure you don't miss that. Okay, we got it in the Psalms. Uh, where else will we maybe find it? First John, the book of 1 John. God is love. You know that probably. You've seen that passage before, right? This is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only son. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son. And I hope you know that to be true. Everybody's favorite verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. Okay. So we're seeing God's love, God's steadfast love, God's love that will be not denied, God's strong and enduring and powerful love. We see it in the Old Testament, we see it in the Psalms, we see it in the Gospels, we see it in the New Testament. Okay, I hope. Do you have that in your head? You with me? I didn't hear you. Are you with me? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure you're still there. All right. So now you've got it in your head. Let's move to your heart. All right. And the question is: Is it personal? Do you feel it? Does it change you in any way? Now, it's very, very important to know that it's real whether or not you feel it. Whether you don't feel it at all or don't know anything about it, it's still real. But I'm telling you that your life will be better and change if you feel it. So I'm hoping that you feel it. Um, Maybe you felt such a deep and and emotional and unselfish kind of love here on earth, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your kids, maybe with your parents. I hope so. So, for an so for example, let us look at a newborn baby, right? This, this doesn't really make any sense at all, does it? I mean, a newborn baby can't even smile, right? I mean, not on purpose anyway, right? But what can a newborn baby do? Let's see. A newborn baby can eat. What else can a newborn baby do? Cry. Sleep. Dirty diapers. That's kind of, that's kind of the range of it, right? So, the newborn baby, you know, has pretty limited activities, but it can completely capture your heart, right? I mean, it's an overwhelming love. It's, it's gut-wrenching, all-consuming, change, life-changing love. This baby has never done a thing for you except wake you up at night, right? But you love that baby unbelievably, right? I hope you do. I did when I had those babies. And even if the child grows up, the child does something wrong, the child says he doesn't love you anymore, you still love that child, right? It, nothing's going to change that. Well, God loves us that way, but more. So, so the child maybe grows up and becomes a teenager and, and maybe doesn't express that love to you anymore, right? Maybe there's some friction there. Well, how do we act to God, right? We say we love God. We say we're going to obey God. We, we, we say we're going to strive for purity and righteousness in our lives. But then our actions contradict that. Our actions kind of shout the opposite. <laughs> our actions shout that we, we don't really love him. We don't really think he's important. We aren't really committed. But God is the perfect parent, and he loves us anyway. And that's important to know. He loves us anyway. Sue and I were talking about the sermon uh, last week. Jeff was, Jeff was reading from Hosea. And, and about how Hosea is this great story about this man who has this Determined, relentless love for his wife, even when she runs away and forsakes him, right? No, no, that's not it. God, really, what the story' is about is God has this relentless love for the people, right? Israel, right? Even when they turn away. It's like a metaphor, right? Even when they turn away, they're worshiping idols. God has this relentless love, this enduring, powerful, unquenchable love for his people, even when they refuse him, right?'m uh, not sure. Maybe it's really a story about how God had this relentless love for you and for me. Even when you act like you don't care, or I forget who I belong to, or even when we get consumed with our own idols, whether they be personality, or family, or sports, or leisure, or money, or our job, or entertainment, or whatever it might be, Maybe this challenging, difficult, hard to understand story about a man redeeming his wife is really a story about you and me, and how I deny God in my words, and He loves me anyway. I hope you do you feel. I hope you feel that relentless love that God has for you in your hearts. I want to tell you about an experience I once had on a mission trip. I think mission trips are wonderful. Hadn't anybody been on a mission trip? Yeah, some of you, a retreat maybe, been on a retreat experience? I think they're, they're really powerful experiences. They get you out of your ordinary, everyday experience. You get with a lot of other people who are really trying hard to listen and obey the Lord, right? You get, maybe you get young people on a mission trip, and they're, they're coming out of their shell, they're, They're working hard. They're showing leadership. They're showing different sides of themselves. It's really, I think, I think mission trips and and, and retreat experiences can be wonderful, powerful experiences. And then maybe you get different kinds of worship and different kinds of devotions. And it changes your way of thinking. And we all know that can be dangerous, right? Uh, Jamie was talking about an experience she had on a mission trip, right? Two weeks ago, she was in, where was it, Jamaica. And she, she was convicted. Oh, I'm going to preach. Oh, wait, what am I going to say? How am I? And, and she felt the Holy Spirit move with her to preach that. So, so Jamie would say, yeah, mission trips are great experiences. Now, I can't promise you you're going to identify your future spouse on a mission trip. I mean, Jamie, you know, that's one thing. But I can't promise you you're going to find your spouse. But... So anyway, here we were on this mission trip. Um, I don't even know where it was. West Virginia, I don't know where it was. And we were in, staying in some high school or something. And we had this sensory experience. Taste and see and how good the Lord is, that kind of a thing. Anyway, the point was you're supposed to sit there quietly, be still and listen. Listen to see if God has something to say to you. So, okay. I'll try it. Why not? You know, So I'm sitting there. I did all the activity. I'm sitting there. I'm laying on the floor actually listening. And I got it. I got a message. It was this amazing, powerful, convicting message. I really, it washed over me I know this is hard for you to believe. You know what a, what a guy I am. But I, I actually brought me to tears. Can you believe that? <laughs> I'll have to cry at a Hallmark commercial. So, But it brought me to tears. It was, I honestly felt that it was a message, the clearest word I had had from God. And what was it? It was that God loves me. I know, maybe that's not very profound. Maybe that is very profound. Maybe that's what I needed to hear at that time. Maybe that's what you need to hear. I don't know. Maybe that's really an ultimate profound truth in Scripture. God loves you. God cares for you. God's on your side. God wants you to succeed. God wants what's best for you. God really wants what's best for you, and he wants you to succeed. Even me, even though I'm a goofball and a sinner, even though I'm too loud and too impulsive and too opinionated and judgmental. I make a lot of mistakes. God cares about me. God loves me. Really, strongly loves me. He wants what's best for me. He knows all about me. He knows everything I ever did. Amazing? He loves me anyway. He loves me more than mom and dad love me. He loves me more than my wife loves me. Nothing I can do will change that. That seems profound to me. I listen to Christian music a lot. Do you listen to Christian music? Yeah? I do. I listen to Christian music. So I, I put up a couple of... I listen to WGTS on, on AMWAVA. If you have Sirius, you can listen to Channel 63, Contemporary Christian Music. That speaks to me. Um, I don't know if it speaks to you, but you give it a try. Write it down give it a try. Um, so, that, so I heard a song recently. It really, it really uh, grabbed my heart. And it spoke to me about how I have been sinful and I caused Jesus to suffer... But he has demonstrated the love he has for me by going to the cross. And this clearly demonstrates nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we'll put the lyrics up there. We'll see if I'm able to read them or not. So, I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I am the sweat from your brow, but you love me anyway. I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas's kiss, but you love me anyway. I caused the thorn, the sweat, the nail, the kiss. My sin. But he loves me anyway. So I hope you feel that in your head. You, you, you understand it. I hope you feel it in your heart. I hope that you know that God loves you anyway. Are you with me? Thank you. Okay, talk about your hands. We talked about your head. I hope it's there. We talked about your heart. I want you to get it there. So I'm going to borrow a page from Chad Porter and ask you to repeat after me, ask a question. So what? Thank you. Okay, here's what. I'm going to tell you that this undying love of God should radically affect your life. Not just your head and your heart, but your hands, what you do with your life. Not just on Sunday, but every day. Not just a few dollars, not just in the church family. It should affect what matters to you, how you treat people, what you spend your time on, what you spend your money on. Whether you come to worship, whether you go to small group, whether you're engaged and involved at the church, how you use all those talents and gifts that God has given you. I saw a quote from a British missionary hundred and some years ago. He had this as his life motto. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. That's what I'm talking about. The passage of Romans says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Or maybe your, maybe your translation says we overwhelmingly conquer." I, somebody told me in the Greek it's hyper-conquer. Are you hyper-conquering the world in, your, in, in Christ's love? It, it can be hard to understand that. It can be hard to understand how big and how strong God's love is, but we should be praying that God will help us to understand it. And, and, and we should be praying that it will grip us and grip our hearts and motivate us. Uh, Isaac Watts is a hymn, hymn writer and he wrote a, a famous line in a, in a hymn that we've sung many times. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I'll give you two examples, and then I'll be done. So, oh, and you might, you might ask, who is he to be giving me advice? Good question. That's a very fair question, and it's a very easy question to answer. Very, very easy question to answer. I have earned the right to speak to you, the same way i earned my salvation how did i earn my salvation what did i do to earn my salvation nothing thank you very much nothing i didn't earn myself i don't deserve it neither do you it's a free gift of god that's that's why i'm saved because god has saved me because he's graciously giving me this gift that i don't deserve He loves me anyway. No, sep- no created thing can separate me from God's love. I certainly don't deserve to be speaking to you today. I have no credentials. I have no right to do this. Um, Pastor Jeff asked me, and I am, I'm obeying, and that's really all I got. Um, it's, it's like uh, maybe you heard that other song on the radio. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. That's all I got for Okay, two questions. First, have you put a priority on giving your time and your energy to the church? We have a a covenant of membership for Nielsville members. And the first part of that covenant of membership says, I commit to faithful participation in times of worship, prayer, study, and fellowship with other believers to the building up of the church by using my spiritual gifts in ministry. I hope you're doing that. I've been reading a book by John Ortberg, who's a fabulous author. It's called All the Places You Go. And the thesis of the book is God puts open doors in front of us. All the time, every day, there are little open doors in front of us. And do you choose to go through them? Right? You have to make that choice. God usually doesn't tell us what's on the other side of the open door, though. Right? He asks you to go through in faith. You don't know how it's going to turn out. But we have all these open doors in front of us, and I hope that the church is presenting you with open doors, and I'm hoping that you will walk through. Step out in faith, follow, and be blessed. Be part of a small group, or start a new small group. Say yes when you're asked to help. Find a place where your gifts and your talents combine with the needs of the church. The youth were giving a message a month ago, two months ago, and they said, life is a series of choices, it's a series of yeses, right? What are you saying yes to? Whatever you're saying yes to is going to determine the course of your life and and your character as well. So what are you saying yes to? Are you saying yes to being a member of the church, an active participant? Or are you so busy with other things that you can't? Somebody once said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. It's real easy for life to get busy, isn't it? Even when you're retired, believe it or not, it's real easy to get busy doing hundreds and hundreds of other things, and let's not get too busy trying to accomplish so many other things that don't really matter. So we need to take a step back, step off the treadmill, be countercultural, be still, and know that He is God. And this is very hard for me to learn, but sometimes when we're serving, when we're assisting, We need to give up our own preferences. We need to give up on our desire to have the church meet my needs. We're here to glorify God by being and making disciples. We're not here to make me happy. We're not here to make you happy, right? And so sometimes I will not like the music or the time of the service or something else that's going on here or preferences or the way things are done or some element of something here, but we need to be willing to sacrifice our preferences, and our desires so that we can accomplish the church's mission. We're not here to make us happy. We're here to worship, to grow, to go and make new disciples, and then to celebrate the lives that are changed. I hope that you're still with me. Okay, second question, if you're still listening. How about your money? God gave you gifts. God gave you an intellect. God gave you Maybe he gave you parents that loved you and encouraged you. Maybe he gave you good schools to go to. Maybe he gave you drive or ambition. God gave you a lot of gifts, and and with these, you are able to earn a living. At least, I hope you are. Many of you are. Most of you are. So what are you giving back to him? And it's really cool to see people doing the Operation Christmas Child boxes and the, the blanket Sunday stuff and the special projects. I mean, that's awesome. And when you get kids involved, like the kids help pick out the stuff or wrap the thing or deliver, the, that is tremendous. That is great, and I'm all in favor of that. But that can't be the total of your giving, right? I mean, that would be like if saying a quick prayer before dinner is the total of your prayer life. That's not enough. That's not the way it works. You need to integrate your giving into your life. Plan it into your life. Give regularly. Give regularly. A member of the congregation who I respect greatly told me recently, you need to give till you feel it. It needs to impact your life. There should be some things that you can't do because you're giving generously to the church. Okay? Think about that. So what are you going to tell Jesus at the end of your life? Sorry, my kid playing travel soccer was too important or having cable TV or having that big house or having the newest phone was really more important than spreading the gospel. I don't know. I'm not saying you have to do these things. I'm saying that I hope you want to do these things. It's my hope that the overwhelming love of God will cause you to desire these things. I honestly, firmly, and sincerely believe that the biblical standard for giving is 10%. It's a tithe. 10% of your income. And I can offer support on that or you could look it up or read an article or ask a, a pastor or a leader you respect. See what they say. We had a an opportunity to sit with a young pastor. I really love this guy. Young guy starting out, was trying to figure out if this job, if this pastoral call was going to work for him. And, and we went through his budget. He said, what, you know, I got to spend this much. It costs this much. Here's what it, and he said, the first thing, he says, okay, well, let's take the tithe out. That's the first thing, right? You got to take the tithe out. He's not sure if he's got enough money to pay the mortgage or pay the groceries. He's not making, he's a pastor. He's not getting rich. He's not making a lot of money. But the first thing he's got to do is pay that tithe. And that, that impressed me. I know, I know, it can be hard to get there. But I want you to think about it, and I want you to pray about it, okay? And I want you to think and pray hard about it. Try it out. Try, try tithing. Try it for three months. For the next three months, I'm going to give 10% of my income. Try it. See if you can do it. Or maybe that's too hard for you. Okay. Look at, look at how much you're giving to the church. Right now, you're giving 3% of your income to the church. Can you make it 4? Can you, can you get closer? Can you move in the right direction? That's, that's something for you to think about and pray about. Tony, Tony expressed it very well in his, in his thoughts this morning. We all need to wrestle with that, and we all need to figure out the best way to handle that. And I would encourage you, please, fill out a pledge card. I mean, even if it's anonymous, less than half of us fill out a pledge card. I don't get that, you know? I mean, can't we all give an estimate about what we're going to give? I mean, a best guess, an educated guess, if it makes you feel better, cross out the word pledge, write estimated giving, or write, you know, theoretical amount, or I hope to give, or if nothing changed, we understand, situation can change, I understand that, but if you can let the, the church know how much you think you can give, it would greatly help us as we plan all the wonderful activities and programs and the, and the things that Adam and, and Tony talked about that, that make this church such a vibrant and wonderful place alright I'll go back to the covenant of membership we talked about how we're supposed to give our, our, our time and our talent and our energy to the church it says "I also I commit to contributing cheerfully and regularly for the ministry and expenses of the church the relief of the poor and the spread of the gospel to the world and I will note the words; they aren't capitalized. Maybe they should be cheerfully and regularly. You can give regularly, like every week, or you can give regularly, like it's kind of complicated. But for tax purposes, Sue and I just gave our 2019 gift in one lump in 2018. We said, "This is this is our tithe." Boom, give it now. It's just, I can talk to you later if you care. But <laughs> give regularly. Okay, um, I know, I know, deep in my heart I know, the people of Nielsville are generous people. I have seen you be generous. I have seen you. with the. We're looking for 100 Christmas boxes. We might get them. Do you ever been out there on the giving tree? When you put the giving tree up there? You like to have to fight your way in there to get a tag, right? Everybody wants a tag. Get me a tag. I want to buy a gift for somebody. I want to bake something, right? I mean, if you're not there quick, you don't get a tag. Blanket Sunday. Have you, have you seen the kids holding the blanket? The money comes pouring in, right? I have seen... Uh, how about rebuilding together? There's one. Huh? How many people, 30, 40 people coming for a day of work that's really like five or six days of work, right? They, they practically rebuild a house. I know you're generous people. I've seen your generosity, and I, and I greatly appreciate that, and I don't want to underestimate that, but I hope that your generosity will carry through to your pledge card or estimated giving card and to your giving, and I hope you're still with me. I will tell you that God loves you with a relentless and unquenchable love. He loves you more than you can grasp with your mind. And I hope that you're convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I I pray that will Change my life, I pray that will change your life. Jesus Christ is God, and he died for me. There is no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. I hope you're with me. Let's pray. Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your amazing love. We thank you that not anything in creation will be able to separate us from your love as shown in Jesus' And as the praise team comes forward, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for caring for us, for wanting us to succeed. You want us to succeed. You want us to do well. You want us, You cheer us on, and we thank you for you want what's best for us. We pray that your love may fill our minds and drive out lesser thoughts. We pray that your love might well up and overflow from our hearts so that our lives might reflect you, and we pray that your love might change us to be more like you. In the mighty, powerful, and beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org.